according to this random article that came up when I typed in how diamonds are made into the Google, which I understand you could have done that yourself and you didn't need me to do it for you, but I did do it for you. So now you don't have to. Um, according to the, this, this article, it says this, diamonds are formed naturally in the earth's mantle under conditions of extreme temperature and pressure. A couple of things I want to point out there. It says that they're formed naturally and they're in the earth's mantle. So number one, um, this happens naturally and it happens under the surface, but it happens in conditions of extreme temperature and pressure. But watch this part. It says the carbon atoms then bond together under the extreme environment, creating a diamond. It says they bond together. Man, I want to talk to you today about diamonds. I want to talk to you today about what it means to see <laughs> and recognize diamonds in the rough. God does this with us so oftentimes. He sees our potential before we see it. He sees potential in other people before we see it in other people. And He sees value and He sees worth where we often don't see it in the beginning. And I want to talk about how to have eyes to see the way God sees and how to have his value system so that we can discover the diamonds that God has put into our lives and the diamonds that are in us ourselves. And uh, that's what we're going to get into today on the No Content Podcast. Hey there, welcome to the No Content Podcast. My name is Benjamin Pace. I hope you're doing well today. I'm excited again about this podcast. I'm not excited again about this podcast. I'm excited again to be doing a podcast about anything because I enjoy doing podcasts. This is one of my favorite things to do. If I didn't enjoy it, I wouldn't be doing it so much because I'm, I'm really not doing this for the the fanfare or because I've got a huge following or because I'm trying to get a huge following. I Honestly, Galatians says that every man should do his own work, that he would have joy in himself. And I do these podcasts because I have joy in myself from doing it. I, I, I have satisfaction from doing this because I believe it's what one of the things I'm created to do. And I would do it just for me, honestly, just because I enjoy it. And you know what? Uh, maybe people don't like everything about you. Maybe people don't like all your corny jokes or, or you know, your weird personality. But I'll tell you this. If, if you make yourself laugh, then your stupid jokes are worth it. Because so many people go through life and they don't laugh and they don't enjoy life. And all they care about is pleasing other people and, and impressing other people. And that is a hard life because you're never going to please everyone. You're never going to impress everyone. And half the time, the things that you think are impressing people are not impressing them because people are too focused on themselves and what they're trying to impress people with. <laughs> and it's just a big, vicious cycle that really never ends. And really, the thing we want to do is minister to people. We want to minister what God has given us, use the gifts and the graces to minister to other people, to bless them, not impress them. And that's what I hope I'm doing through this podcast and through this time. I want to talk to you today about diamonds. And I want to talk about diamonds in the rough. And I know this is not a brand new topic. Many people have talked about this. And I'm going to join the ranks because it's a topic that needs to be repeated and talked about um, because so often our value system as people and even as Christians is so superficial. And I believe the Lord wants to help correct that in this podcast and in this time. So we're going to get into this. Uh, I'm going to start in Deuteronomy chapter 8. We're going to start back in the Old Testament. And, and, and what is this, you know, season season four of the of the Old Testament, you know, the fourth book in the Old Testament, I believe, if that's correct. 
Um, but we're going to talk about this. Uh, Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this opportunity to preach the word. I ask that you would help me to minister the words you want ministered, Father, that you would minister to the listeners, to their ears. Give them ears to hear, Father, and I thank you for the reality and the value of your word, Father, and, and the the diamonds that are in your word, Father, for us to find. And I ask that you would help us to draw out of the treasure chest of your word today, Father. And I just thank you for that in Jesus' name. In uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8, there are some diamonds in this chapter. It talks about how God led the, the children of Israel through the wilderness, through a barren place, through a place that did not look good and it did not look fun. <laughs> but he said, I did it in verse 2, to humble you and to prove you and to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep my commandments or not. He said, I humbled you and I allowed you to hunger and I fed you with manna, which you didn't know and, and your fathers didn't know. He said, he said, I did this to, to know or to let you know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. And this is what Jesus quoted to Satan when Satan was trying to tempt Jesus to turn the stones into bread in the wilderness. And it was appropriate. And he, and he said, your, your, your clothes did not wear out. Your, your feet didn't swell those 40 years. And he said, consider in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord God has disciplined you. And therefore, keep the commandments of the Lord and walk in his ways and fear him. Watch this part. For the Lord your God brings you into a good land. Uh, man, that's a good verse right there. The Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. So that's a promise that he, he said, I'm bringing you into a good land. And he said, it's a land of brooks, of water and of fountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills. I like he says, it's, it's of fountains and depths. In other words, I'm bringing you into a land that's not shallow. It's not just surface level. It's, there's depth in it. There's, there's substance in this land. And he said it's a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees, of fruit, olive oil, honey. And he said it's a land where you will eat bread without scareness and you will not lack anything in it. And watch this part. He said it's a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you may dig brass. Other translations say, out of whose hills you may dig copper. In other words, what he's saying is, I'm bringing you into a land where there's buried treasure. Come on. He said, I'm bringing you into a place where there is things beneath the surface that are hidden and I heard somebody say it like this, not from you, but for you. In other words, there are diamonds in this field. There are diamonds beneath the surface of this land that I'm bringing you into. And he said, it's a good land. There's, there's a lot to eat here. There's more than enough. It's a good place. And yet, I want to emphasize this. He said, it's a place where you've got to dig some things out of it. You've got to be proactive and realize that there are some things beneath the surface of this land that you, you've got to dig. You've got to do some digging. And, and this is a picture of inheritance. This is a, a picture of God saying, hey, I'm bringing you into a good land. I'm bringing you into a place, what you're believing for, what you want, what you desire. And yet, he says, you've got to do some digging, though. You've got to be willing to do a little digging. And this reminds me of something that Jesus said. Um, in Matthew 13, let's go over there for a minute. He said this, in Matthew 13, in, a, in verse 44, he said this, Again, the kingdom of heaven, or you could say the kingdom of God, is like a treasure hidden in a field. The which, when a man has found, he hides, and for joy thereof goes and sells all that he has, and buys that field. It says that it's a treasure hidden in a field. This is the kingdom of God. 
It's a treasure hidden in a field. In verse 45, he says, again, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is like a merchant who is seeking costly pearls, who when he has found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. So he's talking about this this value of something that is worth selling all these other things for. And in the beginning, I was talking about how diamonds are made. You know, they're, they're beneath the surface of the earth, and they're formed under great temperature and pressure. And, and, and they, the atoms bond together. Now, we're going to come back to that. Remember that. They bond together to create this diamond. And what I want to talk about is diamonds in the rough, what it means to be a diamond in the rough, um, and how the kingdom of God is like diamonds buried in the ground. Now, I, I've talked about this before, and I'm, I'm going to piggyback off of this some more. Um, there's a book I really like by Jensen Franklin called Acres of Diamonds, where he talks about the story of a man who um, heard about these diamond mines where people were getting rich. And he had a humble farm. He lived on a farm. He worked this land, and he had a family, and, and, he, and life was good, but whenever he would hear about these diamonds, he became so unsatisfied, and he's like, Ugh, "I just, I've got to, I've got to go find diamonds. I want to be rich." And so one day he decides to sell all that he has and go and find diamonds. And it's interesting because we, you know, Jesus talked about a man that sold all he had to buy the field. But this man is selling all that he had in the field to go and try to find diamonds somewhere else. And as the story goes, he went and searched for diamonds and, and searched for years and years. And finally, after years of searching, found no diamonds anywhere. And he was so depressed and he was so sad that he, he jumped into a river one day and killed himself. And the man who had bought his property was on, on the land and surveying it one day, and he was down by a little pond, and he saw this big black rock just sticking out of the ground. And he thought it looked cool, he thought it looked nice, and so he got it and went and put it on his mantle. And, and, and a visitor came by one day and said, oh my gosh, that's a diamond. And he said, that's not a diamond, that's just a rock. And they're like, no, 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 that's a diamond, that's a diamond. And, and, and upon further investigation, they found that it was indeed a diamond. But not only was it a diamond, they discovered that on that land there were so many of these diamonds that it actually ended up becoming one of the richest diamond mines in history. And the principle of that story, it's a true story by the way, is that sometimes what God has already given you is full of diamonds. But if you're always going somewhere else and looking for something else, you'll miss it. And just like in Deuteronomy 8, there are things in the field that God has given you, in the place God has put you, that you've got to dig it out. Out of whose hills you can dig diamonds, but you have to be willing to not look at it after the surface. And you know, so many times we we are looking for things in the natural, we're looking for things on the outside, we want things to look a certain way, and we follow things that look flashy. We follow, you know, I say it like this, you know, Ruth in the book of Ruth, you know, she was gleaning in the field of Boaz. And a lot of people are gleaning in the field of Shoaz. <laughs> and, and the thing that looks good, show, it's all a show. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, they, they, they seek after costume jewelry. Do you know what I mean by that? Do you know what costume jewelry is? Costume jewelry is jewelry that looks real, but is fake and cheap. And therefore, it's easy to access. It's cheaply purchased. It's not real. It's costume jewelry. It's genuine cubic zirconium. It is not real. It's a knockoff. It's fake. And so many times what we're looking for and what we're seeking after is just so fake. And the truth is, is that the, the costume jewelry looks shiny and flashy, but, but when it comes to a real diamond in, in its original state, it doesn't look nearly as, as flashy and as showy as as the costume jewelry, and yet one diamond in the rough is worth more than 50,000 pieces of costume jewelry. 
because it's real. It's got substance. But so often we, we don't recognize it because we are looking for pre-cut diamonds. A lot of times when we're looking for things, we are looking in the natural. We're looking on the outside and we want a pre-cut diamond. You know, we're looking for things to be just this certain way. We're looking for things to look perfect and to be like this. And, and you know, uh, we want things to look flashy and showy on the outside. And that's where we're looking for God. And, and, and we're like, oh, you know, I'm just waiting for my Joseph moment where I, I get promoted to second in command. Or I'm waiting for, you know, this moment where this big thing happens. And sometimes we get so caught up in the flashiness of outward things that we can actually follow that and miss God. That we can look for the thing that looks good and looks big and it's this big giant thing and and, and we think that that the treasure that God has for us is wrapped up in natural this or natural that or, or this big giant fireworks show. And so often we can look for the spectacular and miss God. Now you've heard this said before and I've said this before. You know, um, a lot of times we we look for the spectacular and miss the supernatural. And there's a truth there. That's true. Absolutely. Sometimes we really do look for the the spectacular and miss the miraculous and miss the supernatural. Because sometimes what's supernatural is so subtle. But I, I want to take that even a step farther. And this isn't the first time I've ever said this, but you know, sometimes we look for the supernatural and we miss peace. Sometimes, you know, just because something supernatural doesn't necessarily mean it's God. Satan can do some supernatural things. In fact, Jesus told the disciples in, in Mark 16 that these signs and wonders will follow those who believe. He didn't say that they'll follow the signs and wonders. You've got to be careful about following the supernatural. Nowhere in the Bible, particularly in the New Testament, are we told to follow the supernatural. No, actually, we're told to follow peace. We're told to pursue peace. You see that in the, I believe it's Second Peter. We're to follow peace and seek after it. But a lot of times people are following the supernatural when they should be following peace and the supernatural should be following them. The spectacular should be following them. And sometimes we get too caught up in the showiness of things. We get too caught up in the flashiness of things. You know, we get so caught up in the earth, wind, and fire that's always been burning since the world's been turning, and we miss the still, small voice. And a lot of times, the things that we're looking for, desire the most, are not spectacular in the beginning. We don't recognize it. We don't see it for what it is in the beginning. It's because it's a diamond in the rough. Many times, we're looking for pre-cut diamonds, and, and we're in a field where we're in a field of diamonds and we don't even know it. We're in a place where, where God has given us a treasure, but we don't even realize it because we're so looking on the outside. We're looking on the outward. We're looking for outward things. And, and you know, whether it's a romantic relationship or whether it's a friendship or a church, uh, people in your life that have seen you get cut are the people who are the most loyal. Uh, the strongest relationships are the relationships that you got cut together. Now, I'm thinking about some people in my life, some friends I have that I've been, I've gone to church with, you know, I've kind of grown up in the Lord with, I've been in ministry with, and we have been through it together. We have seen each other in our highs. We've seen each other in our lows. We, we've been with each other when, when people g gave us large amounts of money that were unprecedented, uh, like winning the lottery or something. And we've also seen each other in our lowest financial moments where we made stupid financial decisions and couldn't even pay for a tank of gas. Uh, we've been together when we were preaching at a, at a conference or preaching at this thing, or, or when we were struggling with sin and getting off track and needed to repent and had to confess, hey, I messed up, I sinned, I did this, and have had to confess our faults one to another. People like that who have seen us from the beginning, we've seen each other, we've been cut together those are the relationships that really last. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that you need to go out to the bars and, you know, like, 
you know, look for a spouse or something like that, you know, like Michael Scott and Dwight, you know, it's like, I should be in the bars looking for my wife. And, you know, Dwight's like, oh, nice woman you're meeting in the bars. That's my wife you're talking about, you know, and I'm not talking about that and doing that. I'm just saying, you you know, maybe you follow God, but, <laughs> you know, probably not. Um, my point is, is that if you're always looking for perfection, you're looking for a pre-cut diamond, and the problem with that is that if you always want everything to be pre-cut on a gold setting and a little soft pillow, you never experience the joy of being cut together. And I'm not just talking about marriage. It's true with anything, a friendship, people that you serve God with, people that you grow together with. The most valuable relationships are people who got cut together. And we need to correct our value system with some things because so often we want pre-cut diamonds or we want costume jewelry and we want the outward to look perfect and to be great instead of witnessing the process of, of, of making a diamond. And see, God, he looks at people where they're at and he sees their potential. He looks at people in the middle of their insecurities and sees their potential. He looks at the people in the middle of their struggles and sees their potential. And he says, I see a diamond in that. You know, I know something about this. You know, I was a drug addict. I wasn't just a drug addict, though. I was a juggalo. Do you know what a juggalo is? You probably don't know what a juggalo is. A juggalo is somebody who is obsessed with and follows after a band called Insane Clown Posse. Now, you probably never heard of them. Maybe you have. I'm not trying to give them any free advertising. I'm just telling my story. I was obsessed with a band called Insane Clown Posse. And I was so into, into this band that I would wear clown paint like they wore. And I would dress like them and I'd talk like them. I, you know, I never hurt anybody or robbed anything or did anything like that. You know, I just got high and was weird. But, but I was really into this band and, 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 and I was obsessed with the Joker and all this other stuff. Because I had insecurities and those things were like a compensation for me being a little guy who felt insecure. And it made me feel like, you know, I, I had something to compensate for how small and intimidated I was all the time. And that's the case with many people. But I'll never forget one time I, I went to uh, an event at, at the church that my family was going to. And I'll just say it, Faith Life Church in Branson, Missouri, Keith and Phyllis Moore, my, my pastors and spiritual parents, people I grew up under uh, in the Lord. And the first time I ever met Phyllis Moore, uh, the, the pastor's wife, um, she, uh, she was sitting around the fire at this event, and I, I came to this event, and, and I, I wanted to shock some people. I wanted to see what all these Christians' reaction would be to somebody like me. And I was still doing drugs. I was about 17 years old. I had long hair, and I put on this clown paint, and I just wanted to freak people out. And, and, and to a certain extent, I wasn't disappointed. Uh, you know, one woman walked up to me and said, you, you look like you came out of the shadows. And this is around Halloween time, you know. And I was like, wow, yeah, wow, burn. Yeah, you know, that really insulted me. No, it didn't. I didn't care. I was looking for that response. But I never forget, though, I came to the fire where this pastor's wife was sitting. And instead of judging me or acting afraid of me or being intimidated by me, this woman, uh, she said, hey, come sit by me. And I came and sat down next to her, and she looked into my eyes and she looked past that clown paint and those dilated pupils, and she said, Baby, what's wrong? She called me baby. <laughs> and you know what happened? Tears welled up in my eyes. And, and, and I started crying. Because, see, she saw like God saw, and she saw past all the rough exterior, and she saw a little hurting kid on the inside. And tears welled up in my eyes and ran down my face and started to wash off that clown paint. And I said, I'm struggling with drug addiction and I don't know how to get free. I want to be free. I just don't know how. And she said, baby, it's going to be all right. Let me pray with you. And she prayed with me and my life changed from that day on. See, she saw something in me that nobody else saw. She saw something behind that clown paint and those dilated pupils that nobody else saw, and it was diamonds. But I was rough. And they ended up, you know, asking me to be a part of some things in the church later on and, and put me on camera team and, and, and gave me some responsibility, allowed me to serve. And 
I, I came out of that lifestyle. I came out of drugs. I came out of, and I did some embarrassing things. Some, you know, I did some stupid things after that that I had to be corrected for, and it took a while for me to get some maturity. But they saw something in me, and they could have looked for a pre-cut diamond. They could have looked for somebody who already had experience and was already this or already that, but they didn't. And they had enough spiritual maturity to look at me in that state and see a diamond. And then, you know, while I was serving at that church, I had another couple take notice of me, Jeremy and Sarah Pearsons, I'll say it, I don't care, and, and ended up inviting me to become a part of their internship in Texas at their ministry. And for some reason, they looked at me and among other people and said, we want that one. We want him. Why? I wasn't, a, I wasn't, I didn't have experience in ministry. I didn't have experience with the things they needed me to do. I didn't have anything that made me qualified for that. I, they just saw me serving and they, they said, we want, we want that one. There's something about him. They saw something in me that I didn't even see in myself. And they, they said, we want that one. And I ended up going to Texas and serving their ministry for four years. The whole time, God's cutting me. <laughs> God's forming me. God's shaping me. And there was some heat. There was some pressure. But God's shaping me and forming me. But they had to have eyes to see like God saw. Otherwise, they would have looked for a pre-cut diamond. They would have looked for something that was already shaped, already formed. Uh, as it was, I was still jagged. I was still dirty. I was still in the ground, so to speak. But they saw something in me because they weren't just looking after the natural. They were looking on the inside. They had eyes to see like God saw. Their, their value system was beyond just natural things, natural talent, natural, you know, appeal. And because of that, that's a big part of who I am today and, and my transformation and my story is because people who saw me and looked at me in the middle of my mess and, and didn't, didn't have contempt for me, didn't write me off, but, but they, they, they nurtured me in the Lord. They, they nourished me up in the Lord. They, they encouraged me in the Lord. They corrected me in the Lord. But I was a diamond in the rough. And, you know, sometimes this is so true in so many ways that what we're looking for in the natural is not always in the package that we think it's going to be. I'm going to reference another story from Jensen Franklin's book, Acres of Diamonds. He talked about a son who was graduating and his, he, his dad was going to buy him a graduation present. And what he really wanted was a really nice sports car. And he, uh, the story reveals that he was a pretty spoiled kid because when the time came for him to receive his graduation present, the dad handed him a box. And when he opened the box, instead of a title and a key to a sports car, there was a Bible. And it made the son so mad that he slammed it down on his dad's desk and walked out and he never spoke to his dad again. He was so offended with his dad, he never spoke to his dad again. I mean, just imagine, you know, just threw his relationship with his dad out the window over a sports car. And it wasn't long after that that it hurt the dad so much that the dad died of a heart attack. And, of course, the son felt some remorse and came back and was going through his, his dad's things. And um, he, he found that Bible and opened it up, and inside he found a check for the exact amount of the sports car that he wanted. See, there were treasures and diamonds, but they were hidden, not from him, but for him. But just like in Deuteronomy chapter 8, he had to dig for it. He had to be willing to look beyond the surface and, and value things beyond just the superficial things that he wanted. You know, I, I talked about when I was at that internship for four years, you know, after that ended, you know, I was serving Jeremy and Sarah Pearsons. They're connected to some pretty big names in ministry. And, and that seemed like, man, that was the biggest thing I'd ever done. And, you know, you'd think after that, you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do something really great now, man. The next thing must be even better. And yet, <laughs> what what happened? God said, Ben, I want you to go back to your hometown, Branson, Missouri, for a while. I was like, well, okay, I'll, I'll do that for a couple of months, but I'm not moving back to Branson. So I go back to Branson, and guess what? God calls me to do. <laughs> Move back to Branson. I don't want to move back to Branson. Branson's a tourist town. It's a lot of people call it a trap that you can't ever get out of. 
I don't like the traffic here, you know. And uh, God called me to move back to Branson. You know, the Bible says if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. That willing part is very important. And I ended up going back to my old church and serving for a while. And then I felt like the Lord started to lead me in a different direction. I went to visit a friend of mine named Micah Herbert. He's been on the podcast several times. And Micah's one of those people who knew me when I was a diamond in the rough. I talked about when I used to be a juggalo. He knew me back then. In fact, he used to give me rides back when I was walking the streets and on drugs. He's one of those people who has seen me be cut. In fact, you could say we've been cut together in a lot of ways. And he's been with me from the beginning. And and I ended up visiting his little church. And and when I say little, I mean it's little. I mean, you know, on an average, we have, you know, 10 people on a Sunday. It's little. It's small. It's not a huge church. It's not a huge ministry. It's not well known. And I go and visit one Sunday, and, and he preaches a message, and I don't remember what he preached, but I remember whatever it was rubbed my flesh the wrong way, and I didn't really like it. I'm just being real with you. And I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I agree with him. <laughs> and I, I had the thought, yeah, I definitely won't ever come to this church. I'm just being real. I'm just being honest. I love Micah. I loved him, but I just didn't really like what he preached. And it wasn't that I disagreed with it scripturally as much as my flesh didn't like it. And I don't even remember what it was. I just remember being bothered by it. Well, guess where God called me to be? (laughs) In church with Micah Herbert. And it didn't look spectacular. It's not necessarily what my flesh wanted to do. There's not a lot of hot people that go to that. There's not a lot of people that go to that church, period. And there's not a lot of hot girls that go to that church. So I'm not going to go here hoping to find a spouse. And so... uh, I'm like, okay, Lord, this is where you've called me to be. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. And I've been there for a long time. And wouldn't you know it, it's in this place that God has been developing me and my gifts the most, that I've preached more than I've ever preached. I've, I've stepped into a place in my calling that I've never been in, and yet it's happened in a place that didn't look spectacular, didn't look as grand as the place that I was before. It's like God led me to this field, and I'm like, God, what? There's, it's just a field. Why am I here? And yet God's like, there's diamonds here, but you got to wait. you got to dig for them. If you're just looking after the surface, you'll miss, you'll miss what's most valuable. Why am I telling you this? So many times we seek after the spectacular and the, the grand glitz and the costume jewelry, and we miss what's most valuable. We miss what's most worth the 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 dig (laughs) the digging we miss diamonds because we're looking for costume jewelry all the time and god is not this way god sees diamonds where we see rocks and dirt god sees value where we see inconvenience where we see boredom where we see barrenness god sees something else But we've got to have eyes to see like he sees. Otherwise, we will miss the diamonds that he has for us. We'll miss the inheritance. He's bringing you into a good land, but it's a land out of whose hills you're going to have to do some digging to get to the treasure. And we see this in Scripture. You know, God God doesn't just choose people after the natural. God doesn't just choose people that look the best. We see this in the Old Testament. Let's go over there. And and I believe it's in 1 Samuel. Uh, I'm going to turn over there and y'all just talk amongst yourselves, but um, we, we see the life of David and King David and, and how God chose a king. And we know Saul was king and he had some things on the outside that looked great and sounded great. And, you know, he was a handsome man. He was tall. The Bible said he was choice among the young men in Israel you know, that means he was hot in, 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 in some regards, and at least in the eyes of the girls that, you know, there, there were girls who had posters of Saul on their wall. You know what I'm saying? You know, they, 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 he was their celebrity crush. And, uh, but, but, but Saul had some character flaws though. And he had a lot of costume jewelry, but the substance of his heart was very shallow because when God asked him to do some things, he rebelled against the command because his value system was wrong. 
and he valued things that weren't right, and he valued the praise of men over the honor of God. And he and he feared the people more than he feared God. And so he got rejected by the Lord. And Samuel mourned over him. Samuel was was sad because he he was the one that had anointed Saul. He was the one that picked Saul out for God. He 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 was Samuel was bothered because Saul was his project. And he had invested time into Saul. He had invested, you know, his emotion into Saul. He 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 had been through things with Saul, trying to get him to repent, trying to get him to to do what was right, and he poured a lot into this. And 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 you know, some people can probably identify with this when you try and invest time with a person, and you invest time in something, and they just won't repent, or they won't change, and they just it, it seems like you're wasting your time. And Samuel was exhausted. And he was mourning because he's like, I invested all this into Saul and Saul's just rejected God. And what did I do wrong? Is there something wrong with me? Am I a bad mentor? I know I'm reading into it a little bit, but I think that there's a precedence for this. What did I do wrong? And Saul, uh, Saul was rejected. And in First Samuel 16, God says this to Samuel. He said, Samuel, how long are you going to mourn over Saul? He said, you, you see that I've rejected him. How long are you going to mourn over him? There's a principle with this. You know, sometimes you just got to give people into God's hands and stop beating yourself up and stop mourning over it. Stop crying over it. Just, it's over. It's done. Move on. <laughs> and God said, fill your horn with oil and go to the place I'll send you. Go to, to Jesse in Bethlehem. Watch this. For I have provided me a king among his sons. Now this is prophetic of Jesus. He's going to Bethlehem because God has provided a king there. We'll talk about this in a minute, but this is prophetic of Jesus. And he said, I provided me a king. But Samuel, you know, he's used to, you know, kings being big, tall, strong, you know, good personality. He's looking for a pre-cut diamond. Because that's what he's used to. But God said, I have a king there. But God's not talking about a pre-cut diamond. He's talking about somebody who has the heart of a king. Because the truth is, Saul had the costume jewelry, but he did not have the diamond. He had the show, but he did not have the depth. He did not have the substance. And God's like, okay, this time we're going to get somebody who's got some substance. We're going to get a diamond, but it may not look like a diamond. And Samuel went and went to the house of Jesse, and he told Jesse in verse 6, it came to pass when, when the sons came in, he looked at Eliab, the firstborn, and he said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. And I feel like God said, it's not, and don't call me Shirley. <laughs> he said, surely the, the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Don't look at his outward appearance or the height of his stature, because I've refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For the man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Mm, come on. He looks on the heart. He sees a diamond where other people just see rocks and dirt. And so many times we're looking on the outward appearance. The Bible says the eyes of man are never satisfied. The, 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 the costume jewelry is always flashing and sparkling and appealing to the eyes, but so much of it has no substance. And he says the Lord looks at the heart. And Jesse, you know, called the next son and God said, nope. And he called the next son. He said, nope. He called the next son. He said, nope, this isn't the one. And Samuel said to Jesse, are these all your kids? And he said, there's, there's one more, the youngest, and he is keeping the sheep. He is cleaning up, you know what, in the pasture. He is cleaning up after the sheep. He's out in the field. He's out in the field. 
I said he's out in the field. Because see, that field where all the sheep are sleeping and pooping, excuse my crudeness, is where there's a lot of diamonds. And Samuel said, go and, and get him. And the Bible says he was young. Um, he had fair skin. <laughs> it says he was, he, was, he was good looking, but he had fair skin. And at that time, that wasn't a reputable thing. You weren't tough if you had fair skin. You know? and, and even today, you know, guys, if you've got really good skin, if you're a guy that does a, you know, uses a face mask, you know, some people are like, you know, which team do you swing for? You know? But you know, I, he, had a, he had good skin. You know, and the Lord said, arise and anoint him for this is he. And Samuel took the, the, the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. See, God does not look on the outward. He saw a diamond where other people saw rocks and dirt. He saw a king. God provided him a king. But, but Samuel was looking for a pre-cut diamond, though. Samuel was looking for somebody who already had the notoriety, who already had the following, who already had the experience, who already had this or that. And God said, I see a diamond. What do you see? What are you looking for? There, is, there are diamonds in this field, but what are you looking for? And you know what? This is such a type and shadow of the Messiah. When Jesus came into the world, God sent him to a woman who was considered to be um, uh, an adulteress because she was betrothed to Joseph and wound up pregnant. And by so many of the people in the community, they assumed that, you know, that their, their default was not to think, well, maybe the Holy Spirit impregnated her. no. Uh, their default was to think she's been messing around. She's, she's been stepping out. She's been gleaning in the field, you know, when Joseph is away, you know what I mean? She's been, she's been stepping out on him. That's what they thought. So she doesn't have a good reputation morally. And and Joseph already is from Nazareth, a, a town that has no reputation. It's, it's like, you know, Forsyth, Missouri. If you've ever been to Forsyth, Missouri, you know, it's, it's, that's no, you know, why is it even on the map, you know? And, you know, this is not a, a, a reputable town. And yet God sent him there, and that's where he was from. And, and he was born in the same town that David was found in. And he was born in a stable. You know this story. I'm not trying to be redundant. But at the same time, if this story is redundant to you, you maybe just don't value it enough. Because it's holy scripture, and it's a holy thing. And he was born in a pig pen. He was born next to the litter box, the King of Kings, the Messiah. Why did God do this? The Bible says that God uses the foolish or base things of the world to confound the wise. And we're talking about the most precious diamond in the universe, Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, the King of Kings, you talk about valuable. We talk about a diamond. This is the single most precious diamond in existence. And he's in the middle of the donkeys. He's in the middle of the pig pen. And this is where God had him be born. Why? I like to say it like this. God fulfilled everything in Scripture about the Messiah while breaking every stereotype of man. He fulfilled everything he said about Jesus while disrupting every stereotype people thought about the Messiah. And he messed up their thoughts. And, you know, God will do everything he said, but most often he won't do half of what you think. (laughs) And that's why the Bible says he's able to do exceeding abundantly above what we ask or think. Because the mind of man is so shallow and carnal, and it has a really hard time receiving the things of God. That's what 1 Corinthians chapter 2 tells us. Because they're spiritually discerned. And the diamonds of God are spiritually discerned, and you can't just look at the surface of everything. But the Messiah was born, and God raised him in a humble city from a humble family. 
and he didn't go to school. He didn't have, the Pharisee said, how is it that you know this stuff and have, have never been to school? You know, sometimes people put too much emphasis on career and school and job. I'm not saying it's wrong to do any of those things. But if that's where you're finding your identity, if that's what you consider to be honorable, if that's where your value is the most and not in the anointing, not in the grace, not in the heart to serve God in whatever field you're called to, your value system may be wrong. You may be looking for costume jewelry instead of diamonds. I'm not saying you shouldn't be in school or you shouldn't go to school, but what's beneath the surface of that? What do you value the most? Be where God's placed you, whether it looks glamorous or not. But Jesus was anointed and he had the heart to do the will of his father and he was the the fulfillment of that promise. God did everything he said he would do. And listen, if God has promised you something, he will do it. He will fulfill it. He will do what he said he would do. But just because he'll do what he said he would do doesn't not necessarily mean it's going to look the way you think it will. And we got to be careful about always following the, the, the natural spectacular this or that. God will do some spectacular things in your life, but the miraculous and the supernatural is supposed to follow you, not the other way around. And it's supposed to follow you while you follow Jesus. And you follow Jesus by following peace by following the still small voice and valuing what God values. God has an inheritance for you. God has so many good and rich things for you. He has friends for you. He has relationships for you. He has a calling for you. He has opportunity for you. But so much of it is diamonds in the rough. So much of it is rocks and dirt that do not look sparkly and shiny. And if you're just looking for the sparkle, if you're just looking for the shine all the time, you may miss the treasure that God has for you. You know, and here's a truth too. When you get cut together, we'll come back to this and we're almost done. But in the beginning, we talked about how diamonds, they're, they're bonded together. And you know, when you're cut with people, you value each other. You value each other's testimony and story. You, you, you see where somebody's come from. You see where, where God has brought them. And if, if you know, you're not with people that have have seen you come very far. They may not value you because once God brings you to the place like he did with David where you're shiny, uh, everybody can come around for the shiny thing. When you've got the following, when you've got the, the notoriety, when you've got the job, when you've got the money, when you've got this, when you've got that. Hey, listen, there was a time when Jesus' fame spread throughout the whole land and everybody showed up then. Why? Because when you're sparkling and shining, people get on your side There's a lot of people that supported David once he became king. When you're sparkling, it's easy, but you know, it's the people that were with you when you were still in the field. Those are the relationships that are truly valuable. It's the people that were with you through thick and thin. The people who had to bring you toilet paper when you ran out. You understand what I'm saying? The people who have seen you in humble circumstances. And that brings us back to Deuteronomy chapter 8 when it said, I brought you through the wilderness to humble you. And those people who have seen you in those places, who have seen you in your weakness, who know how far the Lord has brought you, those are the people, those are the relationships that are worth something. Those are the relationships that will last. Those are the relationships that have some substance. Why? Because you've been cut together. And those bonds have formed precious diamonds of friendships and relationships and and family, you know? And those are the things that are so valuable and and, and we look for flashy things and we look for this and that, but what's most valuable? What's what's truly valuable in the eyes of God? And so I guess what I just want to communicate to you today is this. Don't follow the flash. Don't follow the glam all the time. God will make you shine, baby. God will make you sparkle. Let's go over that really quickly in Psalm 37 and we'll close with this because it's relevant. And uh, we'll be done. Psalm 37. It says, Don't fret about evildoers and be envious against the workers of iniquity. Why? Because what you're envious of is all flash. It's all show. It's costume jewelry. And it's worth nothing. The Bible says, If a man gains the whole world but loses his soul, what will it profit him? It says, They'll soon be cut down like grass. That costume jewelry only lasts so long and it'll turn your neck green, baby. 
And it says, they'll wither as the green herb. There it is right there. But it says, trust in the Lord and do good. So shall you dwell in the land and faithfully you will be fed. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. What's that saying? Delight, dig into God and you'll find some diamonds. You'll find the things you're looking for. You'll find the desires of your heart. But, but you got to have eyes to see what's in the land. you gotta, you got to delight yourself in the Lord to identify it. It says, commit your way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he will bring it to pass. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. What, what's he saying? He'll make you sparkle, baby. He'll make you shine. But don't follow the flash. Don't follow the glam. Let God, let God polish you up. Let God cut you. Let him do it. And don't look at other people just for the, the glam and, and the flash and the show and they've got this many followers and they've got this or they've got that. No. If God did this with you, we need to be willing to do this with other people. Don't look at people just where they are. Have eyes to see what's on the inside of people. Have eyes to see like God sees. Don't just look the way man sees. And delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the land that God has given you, and and you'll dig brass out of it. You'll dig diamonds out of that land because it's a good land. Psalm 16 talks about the inheritance that God has for us, and it says, my inheritance is beautiful to me. But why is it beautiful to me? It's because I value what God values. I don't just look at things after the natural and after the flesh. I don't judge things just after the flesh. And I'm not just obsessed with the flash and the the glam of, of what's on the outside, but I, I value what God values. The Bible talks about in Proverbs how unjust weights and balances are an abomination to the Lord. People that value the wrong things, God hates that. And God wants his children to value what he values. And, you know, it's easy to talk about, you know, oh, well, we just look at the heart and we just, you know, you're this and that. But when it really comes down to it, what do you really value the most? What's really most important to you? And I'm not saying nothing in the natural matters. I'm not saying, you know, somebody's work ethic doesn't matter. I'm not saying that somebody's, you know, attitude doesn't matter. I'm not saying any of that stuff. Yes, you have to weigh all that stuff. I'm just saying that when it really comes down to it, what is going to last through the night? What is going to, to stick and stay when it matters? What, what really has some substance? And don't just look at things after the natural. Be willing to dig for the diamonds. Be willing to dig for the treasure that God sees. And, and don't just look with natural eyes and superficial value system. But be brave enough to look at, at things that don't look like it in the natural but to look with spiritual eyes and discern, hey, I see something here. I see what God sees. I see value where other people just see a field. <laughs> Amen. I see something here. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to see the way that God sees. This has been the No Content Podcast. My name is Benjamin Pace. I'm praying that this blessed you today. Hope you have a great rest of your day, and uh, I'll talk to you the next time you click play. Bye-bye.